Hey there everyone, welcome aboard to the One Touch Talks. This is your host Mayuresh Matkar. So today we will be primarily be focusing on the Premier League as the big six clubs in England are looking to bolster their squad ahead of the 2022-23 Premier League season. We will be taking a look at Chelsea and what their strategies are regarding this transfer market as they're linked to players like Rafinha and Sterling and also looking to bolster their defensive line. We will be taking a look at the North London clubs as Arsenal and Tottenham have already made some very big signings. But we will be taking a look firstly at Manchester United at Old Trafford as we have the news that Frankie de Jong is inching closer to a move to Old Trafford. So firstly, this Frankie de Jong situation, it's not really something that I've that I like in terms of Manchester United. I don't think they should be, play, should be playing by the rules of uh, Barcelona. I know they need a midfielder, they need someone with the quality of Frankie de Jong, but, you know, 85 million euros, even when you add things to it, you know, it's kind of a structured deal of 65 million plus 20 millions in add-ons. I won't play, play by these. I, I really don't think that Frankie de Jong is worth 65 million euros. He's at max, I would give him 50 million euros because he's under contract until 2026 and he's a class player. But in the last three years that he's been at the club, he's, uh, he, he's been kind of a disappointment. We have seen glimpses. We have seen some really good games from him. But on a consistent level, we haven't seen that much. I do think for him, it is better to stick around at Barcelona. I think the ball is in his court. I've, I think if he says no... He does not move. I don't think he's moving if he says no. And to be honest, you know, Frankie de Jong, I know he's got good connection with Eric Ten Hag. He's got a good friend of his there in Donny van der Beek. You know, we'll have to see if he gets loaned out again. I believe Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag would include, them, include him in their plans for the start of the season. But for now, I don't think there is any, any way, shape or form that... Any team in the world plays, uh, pays 65 million euros up front for Frankie de Jong. I don't think that is a very good buy. It's just an inflated market anyways. Uh, I, I do think that Frankie de Jong, again, is a very, very good player. He's not been used rightly at Barcelona. And again, things come, in, in my perspective, in, in my, way, in my uh, point of view, I think uh, Barcelona kind of stuck in there veteran philosophy that you know veterans are the way to take us forward you know they they're very loyal to those veterans like PK like Jordi Alba like uh, Sergio Busquets that they are not really giving an impetus to the young blood that's been coming through you know that's the thing that's happened with uh, someone like a uh, Frankie de Jong you know he's a very good player he played superbly well when he was playing at, uh, at the Dutch national team uh, when he was receiving the ball closer to the defence, driving it forward, nicking out passes. And that's what he does best. I, thought, I don't think he's uh, drilled enough to be that second fiddle to someone like a Sergio Busquets who has been vulnerable on counter-attacks. He cannot work around, his, work around the pitch as he used to. I mean, he's lost a yard of pace. He wasn't really that uh, uh, sprinter. He didn't have that much energy as well when he was in his prime. He didn't have that sort of a... Uh, physical aspect to his game but he's just getting old now and these kind of deficiencies are getting more highlighted as the time wears on on his career uh, but for Frankie de Jong I don't think that it's a good move to move to Manchester United I know that Manchester United would give you that right option but if you stick around for say another year 
you might get that role here at Barcelona. I mean, I don't, th I, I don't think it's sensible enough to extend Sergio Busquets after this year, 2023, his contract expires at Barcelona. So I don't think that's a sensible move. Even for Manchester United, I don't think that's a sensible move to be paying 85 million euros for, for Frankie de Jong. I, I just don't think that's, that's wearable. If you look at the deal that Manchester City have made recently, they have uh, uh, kind of been circulating around Calvin Phillips from Leeds United. Again, things are different when it comes to Manchester United. Leeds United would know that they needed someone like a Calvin Phillips. So they would really uh, not charge 42 million. I think they would actually drag it down to 50, 55 million euros. And given that he is English, you get someone like him. And then maybe you get someone with a creative aspect to his game. I think they need two midfielders, that's for sure. I don't think there is going to be any doubt about that. So uh, someone who I thought would be a very, very good option, uh, given that Ralph Fragnick was also involved in the club's, uh, uh, cl club's structural reports. I thought that Konrad Leimer from RB Leipzig, who's uh, now closing to a move to Bayern Munich, I think he would have been a very, very good option. I do think that... You know, Bayern Munich, you don't have a starting place for you. Kimmich and Goretzka are well in their prime. You've still got Zabitza. You still have players like Jamal Musiala playing there. So I don't think, you know, Konrad Leimer to Bayern Munich makes any sense for Konrad Leimer. You know, it makes a lot of sense for Bayern Munich to bolster their squad to increase their bench strength. But it really doesn't make any sense for me. So I would have thought that you maybe you play, play with that sort of... Uh, Conrad Leimer, Calvin Phillips, kind of a duo. You shell out, what, 70 million euros for two players. Again, it's a bit too much, but if you look at the market value right now, 42 million that they gave, that Manchester City gave for Calvin Phillips and the 25 million euros, which is the uh, uh, reportedly uh, asking price that Leipzig have asked Bayern Munich to pay, it rounds about to 67 million euros, which is reasonable for two very good midfielders. And Two midfielders who haven't really hit their prime yet. Calvin Phillips is uh, not even 25 and uh, Conrad Leimer is around 25, 26. So it's a very reasonable deal. You can have them for, what, six years more. And then, again, you can look forward after that. But that's a very good, that, that could have been a very good business. I don't think Frankie de Jong, just a lone midfielder for 65 million euros, does make any good to this Manchester United side. Now, looking at some of the other things that they need to have, United... Uh, by the way, yeah, Frankie de Jong is the guy that they need. That, that's the kind of profile that Manchester United needs. There's no two ways about it. Again, two two, some positions that they need to strengthen in. At centre-back, they have got Maguire, Varane and Lindelof. I think they need to add someone else there. I think Maguire is a very good player. And I'm going to repeat it again. I think Harry Maguire is a very, very good player. He just had a very torrid season and he needs to come out of that. I, I think he, with, with Maguire, you have to have, be patient. I think he is the kind of a player that, to, that Eric Tenag would need. And again, you have to say that uh, the system of uh, Ralph Fragnick didn't really uh, got the best out of uh, Harry Maguire. He didn't get the best out of any players. I don't think that was down to Ralph Fragnick himself. The players also have to bear some responsibility. Uh, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well, you know, didn't have much structure to the game, didn't have much playing cohesion to the game and much synergy between the midfield defence and the fullbacks. So it's all going to come down to some point and just explode. And that's what it happened after 
after everything that's, uh, that, that we saw last year. So I think Harry Maguire is a good player. Lindelof you know, is a good squad player to have whenever there is something happening to Varane and Maguire. You can have him for a game or two. Uh, Rafael Varane, I am a very big fan of Rafael Varane. Um, I've also been his uh, big critic at some point. But uh, the thing with Varane is that he hasn't been showing his uh, imperial best without Sergio Ramos at club level. At national team level, he's been helped with some very, very good players around him. They practically play four centre-backs in their back four. Whenever Varane used to play in a back four, they used to have Pava and the other guys. You know, Initially, they had Samuel Umtiti, Pava and uh, Lucas Hernandez. So, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense to have four centre-backs so you don't have to do much yourself. But now that he's got... Maguire alongside him and you've got two fullbacks. Earlier he used to have Sergio Ramos. The experience that he had used to help Sergio Ramos and uh, the experience that Sergio Ramos had used to help Rafael Varane. The pace that Varane had used to take away some of the uh, ill decision making of Sergio Ramos we see at times. So uh, yeah, you know, you, you, you can put that in some of the ways. I think good coaching can bring the better out of, uh, bring the better out of uh, Rafael Varane. I don't think they need to spend lot, a lot on central defenders. I think they need to bring a very good up-and-coming centre-back. I just don't think they need to spend in, uh, what, 50 million euros on players like uh, Urien Timba. I think Urien Timba is a very, very good player. They don't need to spend in uh, more on Pau Torres. Again, a very, very good player. There's no doubt about that. Uh, again... And other players who they have been linked to. I think someone like Alessandro Martinez for me fits the bill. 40 million euros, yeah, it's a high asking price, but he's a versatile player. He can play equally well as a center midfielder and central midfielder, as a number as a number six. You can play two number six in your base. You can play someone like a Tony van der Beek or even uh, Bruno Fernandes ahead of those two. I don't think Bruno Fernandes fits into a system with Cristiano Ronaldo as such, but you know, for argument's sake, you can have Bruno Fernandes there and play Lissandro Martinez who can give you some of the defen defensive aspect of the game which Frankie de Jong does not have. So that might make a very, very good midfield. And then you can also have him play as a centre-back whenever required. I think Eric Bailly's time at Manchester United has come to an end. So uh, we don't need to speculate further for Eric Bailly. Um, you talk about midfield again. I think they need a forward player. They need a centre-forward as such. Uh, I think it, they, if they would have been in the Champions League, it would have been easier to persuade some of the players that they wanted. Maybe David Nunez, maybe even Robert Lewandowski. Well, he seems to have set his sights on Barcelona. But I, I think uh, if, if there would have been a, some, some changes into his decision-making, maybe he could have tried in the Premier League and, yeah, it could have happened. Maybe a creative decision as to get in Sebastian Oler from uh, Ajax would have made would have made sense. He's worked under Ten Hag last season, so it wouldn't be a big risk, anyways. Um, I think they're in a bit of a limbo. I don't think there are many players who can be as good as a material for Manchester United as a centre forward right now. I do believe uh, that Inter have to sell some big players right in the season, and one of them. Probably is going to be Milan Skriniar, but Milan Skriniar is someone who's been linked to the club, to big clubs time and again. I mean, he's kind of been linked every single season to big clubs like Manchester City, like Liverpool, like uh, Paris Saint-Germain. This year he's been linked to Paris Saint-Germain 
to uh, bolster their defensive line. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. You know, if uh, Inter do want to get some more players out of their squad, now reports are suggesting that Paolo Dybala is uh, is also getting getting his interest wrapped in with uh, Inter. Maybe they get let go of Lautaro Martinez, but would he come to Manchester United, leaving uh, team a team which is going to go for the Scudetto next season and also for are going to be playing in the Champions League? So it doesn't make sense for Lautaro Martinez to leave that club and come to Manchester United as of now. Who is who is who are some other players? I I struggle to find names. Even Ilsen is someone who's been discussed around the Premier League. I don't think I don't think that is a uh, that that is a wise move. You know he's been good for Porto, but that, I don't think that's a wise move altogether. There are not many players that you can take away from Premier League clubs as well. Maybe Patrick Bamford, whom I am a big fan of, but he was injured last season and he's he's spent a lot of time injured. He had one good season at uh, in the in the Premier League. He had a good season in the chat in the Championship as well. So. Uh, Maybe he's worth taking a bet on, but I, I, I won't personally go for him. You know, Richarlison's been discussed. Maybe yes, if... I, I don't know, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a risk here. Richarlison, you, you can argue about his... Uh, you can argue, argue about his attitude sometimes, but he's a fine player. Maybe he can be of some use. Maybe Memphis Depay, but I'm not so sure that his position is to play as a striker. There are some players who are on a free right now. Maybe you can take in Luka Jovic, but he seems to be going on to Fiorentina on loan from Real Madrid. I, I, I really struck, I'm really struggling for names. Maybe Patrick Schick. He's got a release clause in his contract. I don't see him leaving Bayer Leverkusen this year because they're going to be in the Champions League and they have got a very good squad themselves. So maybe they can have a hit on the Bundesliga title in Germany. So there, there are not many players that you can, that, that you can sign as you, if you're Manchester United. Maybe you have to rely on Ronaldo. I, I don't think that's going to take the best out of Ronaldo, but... Uh, Ronaldo's going to give you goals. He's going to guaranteedly, guaranteedly give you 15-plus in the Premier League itself. So there's no doubt about that. But apart from uh, just getting 15 goals in the Premier League, the main motive is to go and play in the Champions League next season. So for that, I think that you need to have some clarity about your transfer strategy. I think uh, they'll have to act fast now. They, they can't really wait for many players to uh, have their moves already be decided they have really uh, done a very good business on the face of it it looks like they are hijacking the deal of uh, Tyrell uh, Tyrell Malashia from uh, from from Feyenoord who played last season in the Eredivisie so I think Eric Ten Hag would have a lot a, a very keen eye on him you know he would have uh, look, looked at him for in the last two or three seasons he is uh, Kind of a left back version of uh, Aaron Van Bissaka, who incidentally is on the transfer market as well, along with Alex Tejas uh, and, and some of the others, and Eric Bailly as well. Uh, oh so, yeah, yeah. So these are some of the players. Even Anthony has been discussed, but eighty million for Anthony is just ridiculous sum of money. And uh, well, if you're Manchester United right now, you know that teams know that you are in a desperate need of strikers, and they're gonna they're gonna stay put on their players and. You'll have to play the hardball here. 
I don't think there is enough for Manchester United to discuss players at the moment, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe even Joaquin Correa from uh, uh, from Inter. He's not particularly a striker. He's kind of a central striker. He's someone who I really like. He's not been discussed. Uh, Inter played paid what thirty million for him last season. Yeah, maybe thirty million, and I don't for, to Lazio. So I don't see him being moving as now as such now. But yeah, maybe he's an he can be an investment for them for the future. I don't know, but they're in a bit of a limbo now, and they need to act fast and act really quickly if they have to really enjoy something next season. Otherwise, it's going to be all over the same. It doesn't matter how many managers you change; you have to act very clear, carefully, and you know, cunningly in this uh, in this transfer market. Otherwise, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy next season. So Chelsea also seem to be moving in business as they have finalised a verbal agreement with Leeds United over the transfer of Rafinha, who was acting as a big catalyst for money at Leeds United. He is one of the big transfer rumours uh, circulating around the Premier League right now. His agent Deco and himself, uh, Rafinha himself, both are in Mallorca right now in Spain, enjoying their holidays. They are attracting interest from clubs like Arsenal. They are attracting interest from clubs like Barcelona as well. Um, but yeah, you know, at, at Barcelona, he would have been too expensive. At Arsenal, he kind of would have been surplus requirements. As for Chelsea, they kind of seem to be looking at a different direction altogether. They have got some problems right now, but, uh, well, they seem to be solving them as well. As for, as for Chelsea, it has been widely reported that they have finalised a verbal agreement, as I said earlier. And uh, they look good. They, they, they look good in terms of uh, their... Things that are moving upstairs right now. So now Todd Bowley is, uh, is, is being the new owner. He's changed some things upstairs. Marina Granovskaya is going to be leaving uh, the club. As so is Bruce Buck. Petr Cech, who's a club legend and also was working with the administration and also with, the, uh, with some of the transfers uh, upstairs for, uh, for the last two or three years, is also set to be moving. And uh, there are going to be new people coming in for, for obvious reasons now. So... Uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be pretty difficult now for Chelsea to navigate through their transfer strategies. Romelu Lukaku has already been landed on Milan this morning, uh, the morning of the recording. So uh, we are safe to say that Romelu Lukaku will be joining Inter at the start of next season. He, he's been a car crash, absolutely. And I think Todd Bowley should actually uh, get some people accountable for what's happened across this last 12 months with this Lukaku transfer because they shelled out, what, 112 million euros for Lukaku and uh, it hasn't really gone according to plan. So there'll have to be some answers being given to the current ownership. As far as uh, other departures go, Rudiger and Christensen have already signed for the classical rivals each, Real Madrid and Barcelona respectively. Uh, they also seem to be around with uh, Hakim Ziyech, eager to join the AC Milan, the former, the current uh, Serie A champions, where he might have had, he, he could have had a uh, very uh, good good time at uh, at the Premier League, but I thought he was a very, very good player at Ajax. Just seemed to work out for him in the Premier League with, uh, with Chelsea for obvious reasons. Uh, but he will be back sometime in form and I would be eager to see how he plays after that uh, he's a very very good player to be honest and uh, maybe he plays on that right hand side where uh, 
Stefano Pioli has already been assigned roles to do uh, to, to what uh, to some that uh, Brazilian guy who scored at the Vanda Metropolitano. I don't remember his name. Uh, I, I beg your pardon for that. And even for Alexia Salamakers, who both alternate their positions there, but Hakim Ziyech seems to be much more talented than those two. And we'll see what happens there. As far as uh, other players go, Jorginho is set to sign a contract. Uh, I mean, he's due a contract. If he wants to stay, he can stay. If he wants to leave, he can leave. Engelo Kante is getting on with his age, and so is Jorginho, by the way. Their only midfielder who seems to be uh, of some use right now is Mateo Kovacic. They're going to get back uh, Billy Gilmo. They're going to get back Conor, Conor Gallagher, who two are very, very good players. So I think in midfield, they're set. They also have got players like Lock, Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus-Cheek who can serve as good squad players, not really necessarily starting. They can start in those League Cup games, in those FA Cup games, some Champions League games. You can afford them to start some of the games there. You can have good appearances as substitutes, especially someone like a Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who I think has a good ceiling. Um... In attack, you know, they have got Mason now. They have got Kai Havertz. I think these two are very much ingrained in that, in that sort of philosophy right now. Kai Havertz has been a very big investment, so he's going to be around, even though he hasn't really lived up to the hype that he was at Bayern Leverkusen. Um, they're looking forward to Sterling. They're looking forward to a player who knows the league very well, an experienced guy, a winner with uh, Manchester City, still 27 years of age. So you can look forward to, what, four or five years of Sterling playing at the highest level for Chelsea. Uh, they're looking at someone like 55 million euros, which I think is a bit too much for Raheem Sterling, a player who's been out of form. You look at Sadio Mane, who's been in form. Yeah, he's a bit aged than Sterling, but he's in form. He's a Premier League proven player. Play, a proven player in the Champions League, whatever you want. Uh, he's gone for 34 million euros, and uh, that is a very less sum of money. I think Sterling's rather price, I think, would be around 45 million euros, the same amount of price that Gabriel Jesus has moved on to at, uh, at, at Arsenal. So that would have been my way of thinking. But that's something that has been discussed internally. Um, as such, now they don't have a recognised centre forward. I think they need to sign someone, not a really a household name, but they could sign someone who can be useful for next season in some of the other games. But you know, if you look at it, I think they need to sign. They, they're going in a sort of a formation of a four-three-three or more of a four-two-three-one, where you can always have. Uh, Mason Mount and Kai Havertz playing centrally and then you have got two wide players, one of them which can be Sterling, can play on both the sides, Rafinha can play on the right hand side and that's not really uh, uh, been discussed before but you know we, we haven't even gone into the world of players like Christian Pulisic, like Callum Hudson-Odoi and even if uh, Hakim Ziyech, if he stays on. You know, these are players that need to be moved on or certainly need to be having a certain amount of game time here. As I said before as well, they need to sign a centre-forward, a recognised centre-forward, a very tall guy, a very robust player. Yeah, maybe they could sign Tammy Abraham next season for €80 million Euros, uh, because that buyback clause would get opened if he has a very good season again with Jose Mourinho and Roma, which I think he would. Um, so there, there is an ample amount of room for him to grow, to have uh, a good time around. But the thing is, for me, that they need to sign centre-backs. And centre-backs are not going to come in... They're not going to come in for cheap. They, they're going to cost a lot of money for Chelsea. And the most talked-about centre-back right now is Matthijs Delict. 
As much as I feel that Matasilic is, is going to be a very good signing, I think it's going to be very, very expensive. At Juventus right now, Matasilic is the only clear starter at this point in time as centre-back. The other options are Danilo, who's a proper right-back, can play as a defensive right-back in a back three, can play as a right-back in a conventional role. Apart from them, you've got an Asian Bonucci, you've got an uncertain Daniele Rugani, you've got Mattia Di Ciglio. I don't think there are many options that Juventus have either. So if you're going to have him getting away from Juventus, there is going to be a hefty sum to pay. I don't think that they're going to go for Milan Skriniar because there are a lot of clubs already lining up for, them, for him. They have inquired about Alessandro Bastoni from Inter and... I don't really think that Bastoni is eager to move around and his agent has said earlier earlier this month as well that he is not really keen to move away from Inter this season. Next season, after after the season, we'll talk about that. You know, we'll we'll see what is in store for for Bastoni next season. But for now, it's not really on the agenda for Alessandro Bastoni to move from Inter. If you look at Spain, you also have got Jules Koundé who's been linked almost every summer to uh, to, to to Chelsea and he's been eager to move now even Pau Torres but Pau Torres is going to cost around about what 50 million euros and even with uh, Jules Kunde it's a price tag of around what 65 million euros they can also look at uh, Julian Timber from Ajax who can be of good use but I think they need someone like a physical presence like a Matar Select and yeah you know you can also look at David Carmo from uh, SC Braga who's been on the shortlist of some of the other uh, Premier League clubs. Manchester United have inquired about him. Even uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers are inquiring about him. He had a very good season after returning from a year-long injury, uh, which he acquired after in, in, in the COVID season. So, uh, yeah, you know, you can look at him from, Porto, from, from Braga. Uh, there are some other players that they can look up to. Um, even in the Bundesliga, there are players that they can always have. I think Nico Schlotterbeck from uh, Freiburg would have been a very, very good addition to Chelsea. But he has already been signed for Borussia Dortmund, so it doesn't make any sense now. As far as Chelsea's backline option goes, they've got Thiago Silva, they've got Trevor Chaloba. Maybe Aspilicueta stays. I don't think that's on the agenda right now for Chelsea. Maybe Aspilicueta wants to stay after the World Cup, after this World Cup. Yeah, he decides to move away from Chelsea. Before now, I think it's uh, in their interest to see what the options are, what they weigh up to. So uh, I don't particularly think they're in a bit of a limbo uh, in terms of the attacking and the defense and the midfield options. I think attackers, they will sign in like Sterling, like Rafinha. They will probably have those uh, loanies returning back like Billy Gilmore and Ross Barkley and Loftus-Cheek and all those other guys. Uh, but in the back line, they have got some issues. I think they need to sign a backup for Ben Chilwell because Marcus Alonso seems to be looking, uh, seems to be heading out of uh, uh, he- heading out of Chelsea right now. He's been attracting interest from Barcelona, so uh, maybe he's going to go in. Chil- Chilwell has been uh, injury prone, so I don't think that's a wise move to say to say that Chilwell's going to be that guy. Uh, Trevor Chaloba and and uh, well. Thiago Silva, two players who are one is very young and the other one's very, very old, but they do the job pretty well. And Chalaba, less so. Thiago Silva is still doing the job pretty efficiently, but you can't play Thiago Silva for the stretch of the season. You have to have some backup plan here. 
with uh, with, with 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 the centre back situation. Maybe they have to sign two two centre backs. Maybe they'll have to look after some of the players. Maybe Nikola Milenkovic. There's there's an option like him. He plays for Fiorentina, who looked on his way out last season uh, to uh, to Juventus, but the deal didn't happen for some of the odd reason. But this time around, maybe he looks for a deal out of this. Maybe Nico Alvedi from uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I don't think that he's kind of a player that Chelsea should should target, but he's a decent enough guy. He can play in a back three. He's got a good experience of playing in a back three. So, yeah, maybe he can be the guy who uh, who sets the tone apart for Chelsea next season. But for now, I think the back line is in a total shatters, and um, and Thiago Silva and Chalaba need some help. They need some help in the right back area as well. Uh, Rhys James can be one guy, the other one, I don't think that there are many options there. By the way, yeah, on the forward line, uh, Armando Broca, who had a very, very good season at uh, at Southampton last season, uh, is a very, very good player, uh, the Albanian international, can have a good season. So yeah, there is a centre forward, which can play a bit part role, so there you set for the forward line as well. Uh, if, after you sign Sterling and uh, Hudson-Odoi, then you have to really really uh, be getting a impetus on on the back line and i think that's going to be of very very uh, high 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 casualty i mean if you don't sign a very good back line i mean they need to sign at least two center backs now so and a right back and a left back because right back there is Reese James and then nobody else if Aspilicueta leaves at uh, left back there is uh, yeah if there is Malang Saru can play as a left back as well so yeah, majorly I think the concern is about the centre-backs and they need to resolve it pretty well. As far as Kepa goes in the goalkeeping position, they are going to sign an MLS goalkeeper from Chicago Fire. I really don't remember his name, but they're going to sign him. Kepa is said to be moving out. He is ready to stay at Chelsea, taking a pay cut. But 70, 70 72 million euros and you're going to sit on the bench. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they get something out for him. Maybe he's uh, looking for a way out, probably in Spain. Uh, there are not there are many suitors for him. Maybe uh, Villarreal go for him uh, if they want to replace uh, Mario Rulli. Uh, but right now, I, I don't think that Chelsea ha- have got any concerns about the goalkeeping position. Their main concern is to just uh, get their front line in position and their back line in proper proper shape. I think the back line is currently very much shattered up. If they could do well with their backline and stuff like that, they'll get themselves up to speed and we'll see what happens afterwards. So Tottenham are also up and running in the transfer market. They have already made three signings of their own and they seem business this season under Antonio Conte as he demands a lot of uh, tranquility in his, uh, how should I say, sustainability in his transfer strategies. He's a, uh, he, he's a guy who's pretty much dependent on those transfer on those transfers which they which happen in in his club now currently they have uh, got in the likes of Yves Bissouma from Brighton you've got uh, Fraser Foster from Southampton and you've got Inter and you've got Ivan Perisic on a free transfer was playing last season at Inter so one of these transfers uh, especially Ivan Perisic was one of my favorite transfer deals of the season he's been outstanding from Inter for the last two or three years, even at Bayern when he was at loan, he was just brilliant. So he's going to move now to Tottenham. Maybe he'll play that same role which he played at Inter, playing as a left wing-back uh, on that left-hand side for Antonio Conte. So I- I'm-, I'm really happy to see him there. You know, he's 
one of my favorite players for Croatia as well. You know, he's uh, he's a very, very good player. He's a former Bundesliga winner. He's a former Serie A winner as well. So a very experienced campaigner. And even Perisic is going to join uh, Going to join, going to join Tottenham. He had a fantastic performance, also in the uh, Super Cup of uh, in Italy, or was it? No, it is the Coppa Italia final against Juventus when he scored twice in the in the extra time. So it was very, very good for Inter last season, and they're getting a good player. He was linked to uh, Manchester United as well after what four years ago when Jose Mourinho was still the club. They were looking to get his services, but he couldn't come because uh, Manchester United thought that he was not the right option. And then he's had four good years, three at Inter and one at Bayern. And he's won a Champions League, he's won Bundesliga, he's won Scudettos, he's won Coppa Italia and everything. And, well, I think there is uh, that's a lot to say about Madrid's uh, recruiting facilities. But uh, even Paris is one of brilliant deals that they have had. Uh, Yves Bissouma from Brighton. He's one of uh, one of the best players around in the Premier League in terms of the defensive part of the part part of the deal of uh, of midfielders, and uh, he's one of them. You know, Brighton have done really well with their midfielders, and he's been outstanding for Brighton last season under Graham Potter. He's going to get a better manager right now with Antonio Conte, who likes to work with players on the pitch, and uh, he's going to be there with Yves Bissouma, and I believe he's going to be. Part of those uh, guys who will be in the midfield for Tottenham next season. The likes of Harry Wings, the likes of Olivia Skip, who's got a new contract right now. There are people like Kievs Pesuma now, Hoybier, and uh, even uh, Rodrigo Bentancur, who can be of, uh, of, of, good, of good use in that, in, in, in that sort of uh, midfield role. They also have someone like a Matthew Craig, who's a pretty good midfielder you know he's a Scottish international he's not really played a lot for Tottenham he's played for the youth sides and stuff like that but he can be a good player as well they have uh, also have some interest in Anthony Gordon who's a wide midfielder but I don't think they would really go that way because you already now have uh, someone like a uh, even Perisic in your squad and also there is someone uh, who can play as a left back in Sergio Ragulon. I don't know what's going to happen with him because uh, I, I believe it was a two-year deal with uh, Real Madrid where they could have had a, a option to buy him back. So, yeah, you know, I don't know what's, uh, what, what the deal is now with, uh, with Sergio Regulon, but then you also have got uh, uh, Ben Davis as well from Wales, who can be a very, very good player. He's a trusted employee of uh, and, uh, Antonio Conte. So there, there are some really good players who've been, uh, been a part of this deal at Tottenham. You always have Harry Kane staying put. You have players like uh, Christian Romero also there. I think they need to sign a defender. They need to sign centre-backs and then probably a forward as well. I think their front three is pretty much set in uh, Son, Kane and, uh, uh, and Kulusevski. They have got well, a good wing-back in, uh, in even Perez on one side. The midfield is set for now. I think they need to sign a right wing-back slash a right-back to be honest with you, and uh, they are not particularly linked with anyone at, at, at this point in time. Uh, maybe they can sign Tarek Lamptey from, uh, from, from, Bar from Brighton, maybe Liveramento from Southampton. These can be some options. Uh, Matty Cash from Aston Villa is a very good option as well. Uh, I think they need a centre-back as well. They uh, have got Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, 
These two I don't have particularly good confidence in. Ben Davis is a very good player, by the way. Uh, Eric Dye I don't have much confidence in. Christian Romero is a good player. Davidson Sanchez, I don't want to go in that route there. Uh, but yeah, Davidson Sanchez is one guy. Joe Rodon, I think, can play a bit much more. Uh, maybe if he wants to play for Wales next season, he needs to play on a very uh, consistent basis. You know, not consistently perform, but at the consistently... Uh, consistently being the starting 11 for Tottenham that's not happening and uh, well I think he needs to change clubs for that so we'll see what happens with uh, with with him there you know uh, some other players also leaving the club uh, like uh, like the goalkeeper Pierre Luigi Golini who's left the club and he will be going back to Atalanta uh, Cameron Carter Rickers he's left the club to join the Celtic in Scotland uh, so yeah, they have uh, sell, sold some players. They need a centre back. I don't know I, who can they sign. Maybe Milan Skriniar because again his name comes up for the third time in my mouth. Uh, for the third time, I'm telling Milan Skriniar maybe he could go to uh, uh, Tottenham because he's already worked with uh, Antonio Conte. But you know who knows at this point in time can't say anything about this club. Uh, they're going in the right direction. I think they need some good influx of. Uh, players in their team otherwise they're not going to be challenging for the top four again I think they can have a very good run in the Champions League Conte uh, traditionally historically hasn't really been uh, good in the Champions League but maybe this is the season where he changes things up for Tottenham and for him as well talking about Arsenal their North London rivals led by Mikel Arteta they are doing good business as well. They have renewed Eddie and Kitia as the centre-forward. They are due to sign another centre-forward this season and it's going to be Gabriel Jesus. They've already agreed a fee for him and he's going to be a very, very good signing for them. For them, he'll, we'll talk about him. They are linked to Gianluca Scamacca from Sassuolo. They're also, uh, they've, also loaned, they've also left uh, the services of Alexandre Lacazette as he's joining Olympique Lyonnais on a free transfer. They've signed in Fabio Vieira. They have uh, renewed El, uh, El Nen, uh, Mohamed El Neni and all, all the other guys. They've signed Marquinhos from from South America. They've they've done a lot of good business this season. You know, Arsenal. They are were also in contention to get in uh, Rafinha from Leeds United. So you know, they've they've done really good business. They're looking to ship off uh, Nuno Tavares to Olympique Marseille. Uh, they also seem to be getting in some good players in. They have a good squad right now assembled. They also are linked to uh, players like Lisandro Martinez from uh, Ajax, who can be a very, very good player for them because they have got so many attacking midfield options that they can play someone like Lisandro Martinez, who is a very solid defensive option in the absence of uh, Thomas Partey, who's injury-prone, so much injury-prone, by the way. So... Uh, that could be uh, that could be a solution for them. You know, uh, they always have got Gabriel Jesus, who is going to be a fantastic signing. Again, a proven winner, just like Chelsea, a proven winner in the Premier League. Uh, he's got a lot of experience over the Champions League as well. He's going to be the cornerstone of their project. Will have a lot of responsibility in getting their goals. For, for, as, as far as Gabriel Jesus is concerned, I think he's a very very good player when he's uh, when he's played. But some of the other games, he just Seems uninterested. You look at their second game against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Just seemed uninterested. Didn't do an awful lot. And uh, kind of really was uh, one of the reasons why Manchester City just scored one goal. And they got knocked out. 
but yeah, you know, I, I think uh, you'll have to say that Arsenal are going really, really good in this transfer window. They have got a good influx of young talent in there. They just lack some experience. Maybe someone like a Granit Xhaka is going to provide them with that. Uh, they have got a very, very good squad. If you look at their signing as well, the, one of the best signings that they have done is to get in Fabio Vieira from Porto. Uh, Fabio Vieira now is a very, very good attacking midfield option for them. They always have got players like Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe already in their team. Uh, but they have signed him as well. Uh, even players like uh, Martinelli, they, they have got abundance of talents on the wings and stuff like that. But now they have signed him... Uh, maybe he's going to play a bit part role. Maybe he's going to play in that number eight role uh, of uh, of of Granit Xhaka, and you have just that one sole midfield six of Thomas Partey or even of Lisandro Martinez if he signs in. One player I'm really looking forward to uh, making a transfer is Gianluca Scamacca from uh, Italy from Sassuolo. Got making a move elsewhere. I think uh, he's done a lot of good things at Sassuolo. Him, Berardi, Raspadori, and Traore have a very, very good front four of Sassuolo. They've not really reached European heights uh, in under Roberto De Zerbi. They were very, very good, and now under uh, under the new manager as well, they've, they've done extremely well. But for now, I think uh, they they need to have some clarity over what they need to do in the transfer market. So. Uh, I'll see if Gianluca Scamacca decides to leave. Maybe Bayern Munich are also interested in him uh, taking his services as the new centre-forward for next season. But there are doors open for them. You know, Maybe you know, he, he signs for Arsenal and becomes their centre-forward. doesn't really make sense for me. Uh, as far as Arsenal's front line goes, they have Gabriel Martinelli, Eddie Nketiah, Gabriel Jesus, Marquinhos. A lot of options there, but, you know... We'll have to see who's the best one. I, I really think uh, Manchester City have done really good business by scratching, uh, scratching out Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling off their books. I think that would happen eventually. There's not really been official from Arsenal as yet. So uh, we'll, we'll see where Arsenal st stops out. They have done really good business this year. And we look forward to, look forward to see what, what things are in store for them next season. So that's for that's from me for today. You know, be sure to check into my Twitter and Instagram account. As always, I would say that uh, weeklypod.ott is my Instagram account and weeklypod underscore ott is my Twitter handle. Uh, be sure to check into those. Uh, I'll meet you all on Sunday next Sunday with a new podcast. We'll discuss some more things, maybe more European things: Paris Saint Germain, Bayern Munich, La Liga, or even Serie A clubs. We'll see. Until then. Be safe, keep your family safe, and uh, we'll meet after that. Uh, this was your host, Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much.